Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. My name is Tiffany Thompson and I was recently baptized. You know, recently I wanted to get my children baptized and I had been baptized um, as a child in a Catholic church a long time ago. And as an adult, it means something different to me. You get lost in your life and kind of push, push things to the wayside. You know, been through a lot of things in my life like most people have. Made a lot of bad choices and selfish choices. And I, I really wanna get more involved and I wanna feel him just as a family and, and, and that love and that commitment, I, I really want them to take that path and, and have that love and goodness in, in their life and, and continue that on, you know, in their family, in their future. I really lost the feeling of that relationship, even though I never lost, um, you know, the fact that I believe in him. And I always see his blessings in my life every day. And I, I got the chills and I, I really, um, I want to feel that all the time. Celebrate this morning, church. Love changed lives. Great to see you this morning. Turn to someone sitting next to you and say, hey, I'm really glad you're here today. Would you do that? I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. If you're at home, I'm glad you're here with us as well. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn to two passages of Scripture. We're going to first take off in Romans chapter 8, 28, and 29. Then we're going to jump over to Ephesians chapter 5, where we're going to headquarter in the series that we've entitled Repurposed. And this whole idea, the old has gone, the new has come, and it's not so much of us finding a brand new purpose as far as what God had intended, but God is really bringing us into the purpose that he's always intended for us and we're kind of discovering that and we talked about our first week how the change that takes place in us we're washed right the stain is gone we've been set aside for a holy purpose sanctified we've been justified record has been expunged and then we talked about the fact that God answers the three questions that no one else can answer and that is why am I here and does my life even matter what is my purpose and last week we talked about stepping into that purpose of glorifying God worshiping God in every area of our life and today we're going to continue that journey together um, I shared with you uh, this idea that some people repurpose stuff. We've done a little bit of it at our house. I'm always taking something and turning it into a workbench or something like that. I, I've done that with some planters. I've taken some old pails and things that were originally, I think I got one as a mop bucket that turned into a, a, a flower pot for us. And some people take pallets. That's the big thing. Or was a couple of years ago. They build all kinds of things out of old pallets. And you can build shelving. You can build bookshelves. You can, it's a crazy thing. I got online and I noticed some really creative ideas. If you're looking for some, there. First of all, you can make an old a bookshelf out of an old wood ladder. I've got one in my backyard. I need to probably use for something like that. If not, now this, you're going to look at this. How many? Guess what that's made out of? Plastic spoons. Isn't that neat? Man, that was pretty cool. That was a great idea somebody came up with. I like this. I don't really ride my bicycle. I might as well go ahead and make a clock out of it. I mean, that's that whole thing, right? It's a bicycle wheel rim, and that's pretty cool. Here's a good one. This is kind of, I love this. Yeah, 
If a piano doesn't work out, just take a $20,000 instrument and put flowers in it. That's good. I have a feeling this is an old one, but I like that. It's really pretty. Here's a good one. I love it. Those look like my old pants, in fact. I, mean, I think we should do that on the front today. I told Tammy, I was, man, we ought to do that. This one is if you're looking for an affordable way. Yeah, there you go. Oh, those are some crazy ways people can make old into new again. God takes our lives, takes the old, makes us new through the Spirit of God. And, and notice what it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Very familiar passage. It says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. God takes things in our life that aren't necessarily good, but weaves them together in the grand scheme to make and bring about positive good. For those God foreknew, he also predestined, that word means predesigned, he predesigned to be conformed into the likeness of his son, that we might be the firstborn among all or among many brothers. Notice that he gives a purpose statement here. God's design has always been that Jesus would be the radiance of the Heavenly Father. We know that scripturally. God's design is that you and I are the radiance or conformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. You ever wondered what the baby is supposed to look like? Well, the baby is supposed to look like Jesus Christ. In fact, he wants the church to display and put on display the manifold wisdom of God, right? We talked about that last week. So that the fullness of Jesus Christ, that the church made up of many me's, becomes the we that begins to, in all fullness, in everything we do, permeated by Jesus Christ. Now, what happens when a person comes into a relationship with Jesus Christ is that the seed of the Holy Spirit is planted within their life and it begins this incredible transformative process within our lives. The transformation process, interesting, I put it this way, the transformation journey is a wonderful partnership with the Spirit of God to allow Him to do the work in us that He desires to do. I, I sometimes I think people get into arguments about this whole thing and they talk about our free will which means we have a moral choice and then other people argue about no it's all God and it's all the spirit doing this work in us and what scripture teaches is that there's incredible partnership that God calls us he foreknows us that he chooses that he does a work in our life but he partners with us and invites us on the journey because Scripture says we can actually resist the Spirit, grieve the Spirit. So as the Holy Spirit begins to do this formative work of changing and transforming our life called regeneration to be made new, we have to agree with His working and we can actually resist His working. That's why you see some who grow and others who don't grow as much because the Spirit of God does this work but God calls us along in the partnership. 
Now, Ephesians chapter 5, we, we, by the way, we're going to talk about what the Spirit of God does, what God does in the coming months. We're going to get into a new series uh, in a couple of weeks called God's Classroom. We're going to talk about what God uses to teach us and lead us in life. But I want to take a look at our commitment in the process out of Ephesians chapter 5. Now, in Ephesians chapter 5, it's an incredible passage. It begins like this, verse 1. He says, uh, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, notice how he's challenging us. He's challenging the church. Church, make a decision. Come on, church, agree with this. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people nor should there be obscenity foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place but rather thanksgiving go down to verse 8 for you were once darkness but now you are light in the world live as children of light for the fruit of light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. But every, everything exposed by the light becomes visi visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Now when I read down through this passage this week, I was working through this, been meditating on it for several weeks, I noticed there are kind of four commitments that we make as believers on the transformation journey. Holy Spirit's enabling us, but we are now agreeing with the Holy Spirit. And the number one way that I see in this is that it is my responsibility to foster a love relationship with my Heavenly Father. Notice what he says, as be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. I love this. You see, he says, I want you to be motivated by daddy love. I, I want you to be motivated by our Heavenly Father's love. And because you are so loved, in response, I want you to imitate him. Um, it's kind of a natural thing. I'm just going to speak from a daddy's point of view because I'm, I'm a daddy. And my children, it's hard to imagine. My youngest, next week, next Sunday, 21 years old. It is hard to imagine. I was just thinking about that this morning when I was praying for him. Can't believe my little guy is going to be 21. I had another little guy years ago. His name was Calvin. He's our oldest son. And I remember when we were back at our last church in, in Elkhart, Indiana, Zion Missionary Church, Calvin at the time was probably four, maximum five. I think he was about four. And uh, we got him a jacket. Now, it was either given to us or we bought it at a garage sale because I'm just going to tell you, we did everything by things that were either given to us or we bought it at a garage sale. That's just how we clothed most of our kids when they were young. And unless it was a gift, that's pretty much how it was going to happen. And we got him a coat of many colors. I can't explain this little suit jacket to you except 
I felt like it should have been in the music man, right? And, and he should have been doing this play. It, in fact, he should have a cane and one of those flat hats and be doing this because that's what it looked like as he wore this little thing. But he looked so proud to wear this little coat of many colors. And uh, I saw him and I said, hey, buddy, you look like you could be a preacher someday. I just kind of gave him that. He wore that coat again the next week because he loved that coat. And he was standing up on top. We had steps, six steps that went up into our worship center. And so he was standing up on that platform. That's where all of our offices were. And I saw him again that morning. He had that little coat on. I always got to church before he did. And he's standing there. I said, oh, buddy, man, don't you look good. You look sharp. I said, you know what? You, you look like you could be a preacher. And he said, I, I think I'm going to be a preacher someday. By the way, he's not a preacher, yeah, he is. He's actually a preacher. He's a pastor and um, does worship ministry at a church. But he, I said, uh, you look like you're going to be a preacher someday. He said, well, I'm going to be a preacher. I said, really? Then you better start studying the Bible because i got to know the Bible. And he goes, oh, well, I know how to tell jokes. <laughs> Just like his daddy. His aren't any funnier than mine, <laughs> Right? See, in his mind, what is it? He's a dearly loved son, wants to imitate his daddy. Imposters imitate to deceive. But loved children imitate to show love. Imposters imitate to deceive. And by the way, both can exist, right? Well, I'm going to act one way, be totally different another way. That's an imposter. imposter. But when I'm a dearly loved children of God, when I love my heavenly Father, I'll imitate Him because I love Him. Number two. The second concept that comes out of this is a commitment to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to the subtle areas of my life I, I allow the Holy Spirit and I make a commitment to allow him to speak to the subtle areas of my life not just the big areas now watch what he says and there's a key phrase he says but among you there must not be even a hint say even a hint with me would you even a hint that's just a speck, right? A hint is a fragrance. A hint is a shadow. A hint is just a little bit of something. And then he starts to get into it. He says, I don't want there to even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity or foolish talk or coarse joking which are out of place but rather thanksgiving. Now notice he says a, a hint. Sexual immorality has to do with our bodies, right? Our body. How, how my body honors the Lord. Impurity has to do with where my mind focuses. Greed has to do with where my desires are. In fact, later on, he says these are, these are forms of idolatry, which means you're worshiping. So where, what, what, I'm, what I'm hungering for or where my desire is, that can honor the Lord. Obscenity, it's in the way that I speak. A foolish talk, it's not just about how I talk, it's about the arguments, the things that I hone in on and want to make a big deal out of. Coarse joking, gosh, God, God even wants to get into my jokes. Why? 
Because the Holy Spirit always begins with the general and then begins to work in the specific and then gets into the subtle and then gets into the personal. There's big stuff, right? In fact, many of you have been walking with the Lord long enough that the big stuff doesn't really affect you anymore. It's the big stuff. But God never stops with just the big stuff because He's so holy. If He revealed everything in us that doesn't line up with His holiness, it would overwhelm us and just discourage us from even starting. So what He does is He starts with the general, you need to surrender to me. You need to quit rebelling against me. Then he gets into the specific. Hey, there's an area of your life that is out of line and the way you do relationship, the immorality or whatever it is. Then he gets into the specific. Now in your life, this is what I want to attack. And then he gets into the subtle, which means, hey, these are the things that are contributing to that. And then he gets into the personal. And that's where this is what in your life has the hint of that. And it is a commitment that we make that, Lord, you can speak to me anywhere, anywhere, any way you want, even if you don't speak the same way into somebody else's life. Because it's not about what they're doing. It's about what you're calling me to. That's why you can be a brand new believer in faith and you are right where you're supposed to be today. But in a year, I would anticipate you're going to look a little different. And you can be here and have been a believer for 50 years. And you might be right where you're supposed to be today, but I guarantee God wants to keep doing the work. And he wants you to look a little bit different next year. In fact, until I cross the finish line in glory, he's not done with me yet. Now, all of these things are love and relationship. Uh, 34 years ago, this coming November 14th, Tammy and I stood before a pastor and he said something to the effect, will you or do you? And I said, I do. And for 34 years, I have uh, remained faithful to Tammy and, ta and Tammy has remained faithful to me. Because in those vows, I was challenged to keep myself only for her as long as we both shall live. And we both said, I do. Now, part of the reason could be that I've remained faithful is that I am terrified of my wife. <laughs> because she told me what she would do to me if I ever broke that vow. <laughs> you know my wife and then we would divorce and then we would I'd lose my job and I'd lose like half of everything I have and now that's one motivation for remaining faithful or 34 years ago I loved my wife and I still do I told her in the first hour I'd do it all over again. I would just move it so it wouldn't be November 14th, which is the day before opening day of deer season. I said, <laughs> that's the only thing. 
I'd either move it up or move it back. But man, I wasn't a deer hunter at the time. But I love her. I don't want to devastate her. I don't want to devastate my kids and my family. I don't want to devastate my witness. I don't want to devastate or dishonor my Lord. Because I love her. Now there are two different motivations there. And many look at God through the first lens, not the second lens. I'm scared of him. This is what he's going to do. And by the way, that is a real thing. That's why Paul uses the word wrath later. But I want to just share with you, and you, if you've been here for the 19 years I've been here, you have probably heard me say this 40 times in a message. You will always do more out of love than you will out of legalism. So when I foster daddy love, by the way, isn't it interesting? 30 years after Paul wrote these words, Jesus, through the apostle John, wrote Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, to the church of Ephesus and said, I have one thing against you. You have forsaken your first love. Paul warned him 30 years earlier to keep fostering that love relationship. Jesus says you're doing all the right things, but you don't love me. Foster love relationship. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to the subtle things. Number three, third thing he says, and then just let your life live out brightly. Notice what he says in this passage, for you were once darkness. He didn't say you were in darkness. He said, no, 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 you were darkness. Paul makes this transition. Man, it is such a powerful transition where he basically says that if you're living like the darkness, you are darkness. And oh, by the way, Jesus said, let your light so shine that it's seen among men. But we always say Jesus is the light because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. But Paul says, no, no, no. He says, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because just as Jesus was the radiance, Hebrews chapter 1 says, of the heavenly Father, he was the visible representation of the heavenly Father, so he has asked us to be the living out loud, visible representation of the fullness of Christ. And we do this, he says, by the life you radiate, right? It's the, it's the values you live, it's the life that you model when you, you radiate light, but you also do it by exposing the darkness. I read a quote this last week which was not going to be in the message, but I, I found it staggering to me. They did a survey of teenagers, all teenagers, about the effect of pornography in the world, and only 43% of teenagers said that pornography had a negative impact in the world. Now, that may or may not surprise you, but here's what shocked me. Way more, well over 50% believed that not recycling had a devastating impact on the world. Are you seeing the disconnect? Recycle your cans and then do what you want. 
And by the way, I'm not against recycling. I think we ought to take care and steward the earth. But do you see what I'm saying is that living light exposing darkness. In fact, Clive uh, uh, Calvers said this. He used to be the president of World Relief Corp. I'm fascinated and I'm challenged by the quote. He stepped down years ago from that position, but he said it's risky business to blame the dark for being dark. It is a lot more accurate to blame the light for not shining. The fact is, it's not the dark that drives away light. It is the absence of light that results in the darkness. And the presence of light that drives away the darkness. But you'll never be able to communicate light unless you are living something that is so powerful and obvious that our world is ready to hear you. You have to live it then you can declare it. And by the way, that's exactly what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2. He said this, he said, do everything without complaining and arguing. Why? So that you may be blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like the stars of the universe as you hold out the word of life. Do you see that? He says that how you live, how you do attitude, how you relate to each other, Even in the subtle stuff, that stuff enables you to then be able to say, and this is the reason for the hope that I have. But when I live contrary to that, it it puts out my ability to live out loud and live out life and light into the world. These are commitments that we make. He says, I want to do this work in you. I want you to foster a love relationship. God will always love you, but you need to foster that relationship. The Holy Spirit will always be speaking to you, but you need to attune yourself and make a commitment to, be, to even the subtle things the Spirit speaks to you about, the personal things, and then you live in life and representation to give you the right. It's, that's what the word, by the way, blameless means, that I have the right to speak towards something. Number four, Make a commitment to live on purpose. And when I say live on purpose, notice what he says in those verses that we closed with. He says, uh, and find out what pleases the Lord. He, He says in verse 14, that is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That phrase, I heard one individual say this, it says, it says, quit sleepwalking through life. Rise up, O sleeper. Rise up, O believer. I'm just eking my way through life. I'm just sleepwalking my way through life. And I realize some people live a lot louder than others. And some people are much quieter. And some personalities are big. And some personalities are very refrained. But I did a a funeral this week for a a godly, godly 94-year-old woman who was very quiet but was in love with Jesus and her life. She didn't preach that I'm aware of during her life, but her life preached a powerful message to anybody who knew her. I don't know how many of you are woodworkers have done anything in that area, but a number of years ago, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, Dave and Tina, they have a woods on their farm property, and they were cutting, logging some of the wood, and then they chose some wood that was one day 
they were hoping to make into their kitchen cabinets. They were building a new house and they were kind of getting ready. I believe it was maple. I think it was maple. It might have been cherry, but I think it was maple. I don't know if you've ever done anything like that. That's quite a process. You know, you harvest the tree and then somebody will come generally on site and they will mill it. They rough mill it down to usable sides and they cut those and then then you need to let that uh, let that wood go through a drying process because if you work with it too quickly it will continue to shrink and your seams will crack and those types of things so I think it was for several years in advance they just set them aside I think it was in the barn and they just let that wood dry and time came for the cabinets and so a friend who was a cabinet maker took the lumber that had been set aside and they began to first of all rough cut it into the right measurements you take a saw take the saw and you can kind of cut away the rough measurements of what that wood was going to be used for and then they began to take it through a planer and that if you've ever used a planer it chips off the big humps especially a nice one you can just run that whole board through and it'll just kind of kind of levels it kind of gets everything even cuts off the rough stuff and then <clears throat> When I was growing up, we'd even use planes, not just a planer. We used the physical planes, and they had different kind of planes for different kinds of work. You had a honing plane and shaping planes and things like that. But you get it down to where it's supposed to be, and then you begin the sanding process, and you start with a really heavy grit. The way sandpaper works is the lower the number, the, the, the more aggressive it is. And so you, you'll start with a really heavy grit, and what that does is it knocks everything down to where it's supposed to be, and then you move up to a finer grit, maybe an 80 or 100, and that kind of smooths it out. But if you're a master craftsman, you want it to look the best it can, and so there's still imperfections in it. And so what you do then is you might go up to a 200 grit, and you sand it again, and then you might even end up on a 400 grit. I mean, it's almost like it doesn't take anything off at all, but it, 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 it does. It takes some off. And then you begin the finishing process, and the finishing process might include a stain or even a couple of coats of, or a, 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 a applications of stain. And then you go to the, the finish project, which is um, if you use polyurethane or something similar, you'll put polyurethane on it. Once that coat of polyurethane is on it and it is hardened, they, they then take, I think it's, uh, uh, it's um, 404-aught um, steel wool, which is very fine, and you steel wool it. Or you could take a really, really, really fine sandpaper, do the same thing, and it scratches it a little bit, and then you put another finished coat on it, and sometimes you'll put as many as four coats to give it that hard shell and that beautiful glossy finish. Holiness in a believer's life is not a destination. It is a journey. And it is not the finished product. It is the process of being finished. And for some of you, you feel like, I'm going through the planing machine right now. I'm rough, man. I'm rough cut. Taking off the big stuff. <laughs> some of you are going, I feel like a tree. Timber. I'm just being cut down to size. And others are. I feel like God is 
refining me. He's finishing me. There's 100 grit, 200 grit. I feel like God's putting a coat on me right now. I, I promise you, I promise you, no matter who you are, where you are, how long you've lived with the Lord, He's not done with you yet. That is the joy. That is not a bad thing because He goes from the general to the specific to the subtle and to the very personal things in your life. Now, here's my question. What has the Lord been speaking to you about in your life? It doesn't look like Him. And don't tell me He hasn't. Or if you can't name it, quiet down for a few minutes and ask Him. Holy Spirit, we began the day by inviting you to speak to us. Forgive me because there's some things in my life that don't look like you. And I never want to be in a place where you speak and I don't listen. And where I don't listen and then obey. Lord, you are finishing me and refinishing me because you have a perfect model you're looking at that is your son, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, until I look like Jesus, continue to do your good work for your glory for your honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.